You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. It's not just of the heart and the emotions. It's not just this thing that spills out of you that you can't control. Rather, love is of the will. It's not just something you feel. Love is something you actively express toward another, even if you might not feel that naturally within your soul. So, I mean, a few of you in here, um, most of you I don't think, but a few of you might, like, you might take a swing at someone if, they, if they've wronged you, right? A few of you. And let me know, because I'm not going to get in front of you at the line downstairs for lunch, right? You, I want to give you your space. Um, but I'm guessing a lot of us in here, like, we got enough kind of, modification on our behavior that like you don't want to spend the night in jail so you're not going to take a swing at someone right that's wrong to you but here's the thing i think maybe for more of us even if you don't express yourself outwardly violently i think the very thought of certain people brings up something in you maybe it's like a specific person maybe it's like a group of people Um, And maybe you wouldn't even go as far as calling those people evil. Or maybe some of you, you wouldn't hesitate at all to call them evil, right? Something who's genuinely harmed you. Um, Maybe there's someone in your life currently, or maybe even in the past, who's sad, or, or they've done things intentionally to make you look worse so they will look better. Some of you are like, yo, you just described my whole job right there. Or maybe for some of us, I know this is sensitive for, for a few of us in here, maybe it's, there's like a family member who, whether they do it unintentionally, or maybe they a little bit of purposefulness in that, they all, it almost seems like their agenda whenever they're around you is to make you feel worse about yourself every time you're with them. Maybe some of us have that in a part of our story. And I, and I want to say this with a lot of sensitivity here, but... Maybe some of us here, you have someone who has genuinely harmed you in your past. And I don't have to describe that in graphic detail, but like someone who has genuinely gone out of their way to hurt you, harm you. Maybe they're a stranger. Maybe they're someone you know. And if you're like me, and you know me, I'm a a broken man, um, that hurt still eats at you. Like it's, it's there. It don't matter how many good worship songs you sing. Like that hurt, that betrayal, that, 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 that pain, the terror that you received. And maybe you've even resolved, you know what, I'm not going to respond in vengeance. Even if they deserve it, I'm going to just swallow that. I'm not going to reply in kind. But then you hear Jesus teaching here. Go out of your way to be kind to that person? I mean, Jesus is teaching here. It just seems unrealistic. I mean, it almost seems cruel. And I want to be, I want to be really, really clear here. Um, I got to give these caveats because it's the age we live in. I think sometimes, um, and churches probably maybe do this as much as anyone, Sometimes people will take verses like this to justify abusive behavior, especially by those in power. And, hey, you know, we're all broken. We all say mean stuff sometimes. 
I mean, come on, we're all products of the fall, right? That's, and and um, what I want you to do is just really be careful how you interpret Scripture that we don't allow this to justify continued systemic abusive behavior and maybe even force you, hey, you know what? If you're really a Christian, you should go to the person who's treated you horribly, and you got to love them. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. But at the same time, we shouldn't use these things to continue to um, justify abusive systemic injustice. Amen? Just want to make really clear here. We're not enabling bad stuff. But I think what it is leaving us, most of us are probably at a place where it's probably leaving most of us in a tough point where either you come to a really frustrating conclusion of yourself, what do I do with this? Or you do one of those well, I don't, that's not really what Jesus means here. I mean, y'all, Bible thumpers, I mean, you're always taking everything so literally. This is meant to be figurative. Like, Jesus doesn't really mean this when he said, um, I would suggest humbly that when Jesus says and teaches this, I think he's actually serious. I think he's like dead serious about what he's saying here. And, and he, again, he's saying, you have heard before each of these different sets of lessons, because to a people who objectively are probably more moral than most. I mean, if you're sitting on a hillside listening to a religious teacher, you're probably a pretty more morally religious dude or dudette, right? You're probably wanting to be a good person. Um, but what he's doing in front of objectively good people, he's setting actually a much higher bar of what love and forgiveness looks like. Probably to people who, like, if they would compare themselves with their neighbor, like, heck yeah, I'm loving. I mean, I'm not God, but I'm, I'm pretty good compared to that. Like, and what Jesus is doing is setting that bar really high. That to follow Jesus requires extraordinary love. And it reminds me of different stories, and nowadays they would be on TikToks, but like, it's like stories like back in October 2006, a shooting occurred at the West Nickel Mine School, and this was an Amish one-room schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and the gunman took hostages and, and shot 10 girls, killing five before taking his own life in that schoolhouse. And we hear these horrific stories. But then we hear stories of redemption, right? Because the response of the Amish community was pretty extraordinary. One example, they said, I don't think there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive. And not only reach out to those who have suffered a loss in that way, to reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts. Wow! I mean, that's a whole sermon right there, right? That's like unbelievable. And I hope that's inspiring. I really hope it's heartwarming for us here. Man, if that happened today, that's going viral, right? That's going viral. Look, I mean, Christians have such a bad name, but look at the best of us. Look how we love and forgive. I mean, God forbid anything happened like that to me or to people I love. But if it did, I would hope I could respond like that. I, I really do. But let's, let's be real real, right? Village, we like to keep it real real. When I hear stories like that, like Amish schoolhouses don't really come to the surface of my mind. It's like John Wick, Braveheart, for some of you older cats, Maximus, Gladiator, like revenge stories. Like 
an hour and a half of movie is just fueled by the need for vengeance. I mean, that just feels more right to me. Let's just be real, real, right? That feels more just to me. That if someone has harmed actively, intentionally, something's going to be done about it. It just feels more right to me, and it makes a heck of a movie, too. Because if someone hurts me, or for me at least, maybe even more hurts the ones I love, I don't want to turn no other cheek. I, I, I want people to feel as much pain as I am feeling in that moment. Some of you, who let this loser preach? He's terrible. <laughs> Does he even know Jesus? He's, he's awful. I, I want to be really clear here. I think there's actually a biblical warrant to defend the powerless against evil. So, like, if someone break into my house and trying to harm my family, it's on. I mean, I, I'm just—I think there's warrant to defend. Uh, so let's let's. This is why we read the whole Bible, right? But when push comes to shove, and this is just me. Maybe maybe you can't identify. You're just judging me right now. It's okay. There's more grace for me. The love of Christ is not what is surfacing to my heart in those moments. It's just not. And I'd suggest that's exactly where Jesus wants his audience to be. That's where he wants them to be. Obviously, he wants them to do the hard work of changing their actions, which we should all do. Like, we should work on our behavior. But he wants them to do even harder work of contemplating their hearts. Those areas that no one else might see. But that's still absolutely there. He wants them to go to that level. And, and that's why Jesus makes this comparison to tax collectors, uh, to Gentiles. I mean, that don't, just don't mean that much to you and me here, right? Um, but to a good Jew listening to Jesus on that mountainside, they understand really clearly, right? Oh, he's talking about the dregs of society. He's talking about the worst of the worst. Because usually, most, most people, we use comparisons to those people that we consider less than us, even morally, to kind of prop us up. That's why the news can be depressing, but sometimes you listen to the news, watch the news, you're like, oh, yeah, man, I am a mess up. I'm not as messed up as them. Woof. Wow. There are some jacked up people in this world. Wow. But Jesus is doing the exact opposite here. He, he's actually saying, and this is a little offensive, he's like, if you love those who are close to you, cool. But yo, even those you hold your nose up against, even they can do that. It doesn't take that much to love those who like you already like. It would in our day it would be like even the white supremacists can do that. You'd be like, "Oh, Jesus, don't be in the same camp as the white supremacists." Even the people that you look down upon, it doesn't take that much to love your, like, your loved ones. It's natural to treat well those who treat you well. You don't need Jesus to do that. It doesn't take anything supernatural to be able to do that. And that's the point. That's the point. It's what verse 48 says. And verse 48 is actually at the end of this whole section. All of these, you have heard it said. He wraps it up. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
It encapsulates all of these different teachings. The goal of all of this is to bring people to a point to say, the goal is not to just be a better person, it's to be perfect like God is. And if there's some honesty of the soul, that puts you in a place where you're like, oh, okay, I I thought I was crossing the bar. Okay, the bar is different now. Because as we've considered all of these different teachings, we should be feeling just like I think the people in that crowd did, that Jesus has given a standard that is ridiculously out of reach. It's not practical. It's not real life. So, I like practical. So, I think this is applicable to all of us, but especially if you have children here, just listen for a moment. This is such a wonderful way to communicate the gospel to our children. Because, let's be real, in most churches, when we're doing children, we're like, I just don't want you to be the bad kid in school, right? Listen, behave, be the good kid, do do your chores, and chores are good. Children, chores are very good. Do your chores. But you know how you want to communicate the gospel to your children? is when they experience what almost every kid does at some level, when they experience the bully in school, they experience that kid who seems like their waking up mission in life is to make your life terrible. That kid. That kid who we all want to go blame their parents and say, why don't they raise right out of But maybe they just a sinner like we all, all right? But they take it out on your kid. They tease them. Make fun of them. Maybe they they even say racist jokes, body jokes, gender jokes. I'll say this. If you tell your kid, yeah, you know what? How are you feeling right now? Miserable, right? You should love them because that's what good Christians do. You will crush your kids. Your kid's like, well, I'm not good like you or pastor. I mean, he's amazing, but I'm not like him. I'm, I'm just, if you're new, I'm, I, that's a self-deprecating joke. I hope you, some of you are like, this guy's so arrogant. He's a... You know what you do? You know actually how you raise your kids? You tell them, man, this really stinks, doesn't it? It's, it's hard to love right now, isn't it? You don't want to forgive this person, do you? They're, they've treated you terribly, haven't they? This is why you need Jesus, because you can't make yourself feel love for someone who's been terrible to you. That is one of the most powerful gospel applications for a lot of people who are pretty moral. To say, here's what you can't do no matter how many Bible studies you go to. You can't make your heart feel something that it doesn't want to feel when you're being treated like crud. This is why we need a Savior. This is why we need Jesus. Because the love of Jesus' kingdom is not behavior that you can muster up from within yourself. This is not personal power. This is not like finding a good TED Talk that inspires you. Um, The love of Jesus is a supernatural love that has to actually come from outside of you. Because in the face of evil, the most honest and I would suggest appropriate response is to acknowledge, I can't love like Jesus is saying to love. I'm, I'm actually seeing that. I can't love. And I think that's the space where Jesus is inviting you and I to encounter him. And I think it's not just for our future, but um, I think it's also even about our memories. 
So as I was saying something, I was, I was saying earlier, there's a reason why we say words like trigger warning when we're going to talk about certain things, right? Because there's an effect of even hearing something can trigger something within you. And I give a trigger warning about this trigger warning. <laughs> Probably not that helpful, but the reality, some of us have been holding deep wounds and pain of someone who has harmed you greatly. Whether it is physical, whether it is assault, whether it's mental, whether it's verbal, whether it's relational, whether it's professional, whatever it might be, if, if you're like me, many of us are holding unresolved anger, rage, frustration, wounds. Maybe some of it is, it is family members. And the thing is, I think sometimes in church, and, and it's done with a good heart, but we're always like, well, just look forward, right? Forget what lies behind, which is in scripture, and just keep looking. Don't think about the past. The past is, you're beyond that now. And, and in my experience, in my own life, but many people I walk with, part of the reason why we can't really move forward is we never really dealt with that past. We've never dealt with the things that are still there. It's like a companion that's still with us. Because here's the thing, on the outside, we might look like we all good, right? We come here, we know the rhythms, we know the songs, we know how we're supposed to do the good Christian thing. But here's the thing, holding on to those things, those memories, those emotions, those even physical, the body keeps the score type of traumas within you, it does something to you. It does something to you. And one of the real basic things that it does some of that unresolved anger and rage and, and uh, receiving of terror from another, it affects your ability to do your current and future relationships. One of the reasons why so many of us have a hard time even being in church, we just can't trust anyone. And we have a lot of warrant for that because maybe you've been treated terribly. Maybe you, someone even said something in passing that they don't even know they said it, and you still remember it every time you hear something else similar to it. Like you, and, and here's why we have to understand these exists. Even some, I love our music team, by the way. I, I just think they're the best. But even some of the best songs that most of us might feel like, yo, that's, that's my jam. That takes me right into my Jesus space. For others of us, maybe you hear those opening chords and it takes you right back to situations that bring you into places of spaces of pain, unresolved, hurt. And, and, and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get past this? And maybe, and I think therapy can help, but maybe it's saying, Jesus, I realize I've never invited you into that space. I'm just always looking forward in faith and hope. But I've never looked into some of these places that maybe this is where you want to meet me. Because here's my hope for you. The gospel of Jesus, it doesn't just give you hope for the future. I mean, it absolutely does. Amen? The gospel gives you hope for your future. But the gospel is even good news for your memories. Let me say that again. The gospel is even good news for your memories. Because for some of us, our memories are the scariest place that we live in. But what would it look like for you to say, Lord... I invite you into some of even these things I've walked through and trust even that's not beyond your power. You'll speak healing into my life. 
I can't control what another person's done to me, but I can trust you with how I respond to it. Here's the thing, and I want to give you a moment to sit in that. Um, but when we hear this teaching, if you're like me, um, it's natural to look at this, at this from the perspective of those who've wronged you. And maybe those that you find difficult to forgive and to love. And I think that's pretty natural. But that's where verse 45 and the rest of it, I think, is really um, insightful. Because it says, verse 45 says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Because what I think this is addressing, that it's natural to think of others as the evil ones, the unrighteous ones. And again, for some of you, that's absolutely real. Maybe, hopefully, you have permission to be able to say, if people have done evil, it's evil. And maybe for some of us, like if we're thinking about the biggest miracle in life, it would be able to be forgiving someone who has done terrible harm to you. Like you think about miracles, you're not even thinking about like water splitting and bread and fish. You're thinking about, could my heart actually soften to someone who has done terrible things to me? And maybe that's where God wants to work in your life. But can I humbly, and I do this with all deference and humility, put another perspective before you that maybe the greater miracle is that God loves and forgives me too. God loves and forgives each one of us too. Because the truth is that this teaching was not a mere philosophical what if for Jesus, right? It's not just hypotheticals, nice. It was a glimpse into his own destiny. I mean, Jesus lived this passage out on the cross with the very people who were hanging on his side. And those who were trying to destroy his life. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Jesus was not just about telling us the good ways we should be. He lived out the ways that we should love and forgive those who are terrible. He himself did it. Because this beauty of the gospel is not that Jesus loved us when we were his friends. But he loved us when we were separated and far from him. And I know enemies, for some of us, you're like, I don't like that word enemies. It's right there, right? Enemies sounds like strong language. But I think it's important to recognize Jesus, he wasn't going around looking for the kind of good people to save. right? He wasn't looking for those who'd done a little more work. It's like, okay, well, I choose him, right? The whole that just screwed up. He looked like he liked doing some inductive Bible study and stuff, getting ready. Because as, as realistically superior we may feel to evil people, Scripture tells us that in our natural state, we actually have more in common with everyone else than we do with God. And, and this is in no way to diminish the evil of others. I think we can do two things at the same time. Because there is judgment for those who have actively chosen evil. Amen? For some of you, that's your hope. Because you have been done dirty. And rather than taking that into your hands, you're trusting that there is a God who does see injustice. And he will do something about it. Even if it feels like it's not happening on the side of glory. There is a God of justice. but it also has to magnify the supernatural love of God. Because if we're humble enough to acknowledge it, if there's two sides, we're not on God's side like pointing fingers at the bad guys. Um, 
we're kind of all on the same side, desperate for mercy. And, and <laughs> here, here's the amazing, wonderful thing. God doesn't treat us the way that we may deserve. But he gives kind love. God gives mercy to those who ask for mercy. Even to those people that might offend you. God will give mercy to those who genuinely ask for mercy. And through this supernatural love that's displayed on the cross, he makes friends of those who trust in him. He makes us who are his enemies his friends. And here's the beautiful thing. As we follow him, he transforms us from the inside out. Not just our behavior. Not to just look more polite. Not to just look like a better citizen. But actually change who we are from the inside out. Because the resurrection reminds us that he rules over sin. We become like him. We can love like he does. And it might not happen overnight. But we trust in the working out of our salvation. That we are becoming more and more the people of his radical supernatural love. So let me ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask our music team to come up as they get ready to lead us in response. Just close your eyes with me for a moment and, and what's, what's God speaking to you? And this might sound totally foreign if you're new here, but I would give you the invitation that God's goal is not just to get you to behave like a better person. That's not why we have church. Not to just control your behavior. I mean, we want to be better people. But I would suggest the bigger goal is God wants a transformed inner life for you. 